0: Hey family, I, I bless you all in the name of Jesus. I bless you all that you would know Jesus more personally and wonderfully at this time. I bless you that that you would be healed. That you'd be healed in your body, in your mind, in your in your emotions, in your your spirit, that you'd be healed during this time in the name of Jesus. I bless you to receive the guidance of God and the help of God, uh, whatever you might be needing during this time. And I bless you to know the joy of the Lord, the, the love of Jesus, the, the, the peace that comes from, from Him, and, and just the hope of, uh, of believing in this living God who's paying attention. I bless you with that. Now, in the name of Jesus, as we get going, may it be for you. All right, welcome to our new series. We are starting tonight a new series called The Bible Land and biblical faith the Bible land and biblical faith and as anyone who knows me very well knows that I am obsessed with the land of the Bible, and I am a total map geek. I love maps. I just love them so much. And it's just the most amazing, the most amazing thing to me. I, I I love them. I got I got a good grade when I was in like P3. And and, and, I, and I so I love maps. I just I just love them. A year ago I was in Jerusalem, I was studying at the Jerusalem University College, Bible and Geography, and 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 just the, the land and the different regions of the land. I just am obsessed. I love this stuff. I have this personal passion. And so get ready, church, because I'm about to dump all of my personal passion about the Bible land and locations and maps and everything all over this series. So I'm going to have a good time. I'm not going to hold back. Uh, This is what you are getting in for in this series. Basically, there's going to be three strands when it comes to this series. The first strand that we're weaving through it all is we're going to learn the different regions of the land of the Bible, of the promised land. We're going to study each one. Sometimes if we just think of the Bible land as one, we're missing out on a lot. And so I'm going to teach you what what different parts of the land, what they look like, or some pictures and things like that. So um, we're going to learn the regions of the the land of the Bible, the promised land. We're also going to do a very selected Bible overview. We're going to be tracking some Different stories in chronological order through the Bible going from Abraham all the way to the apostles. And and some of the significant things along the way and some of the locations that they're connected to. Very selective, but it's going to be a bit of a Bible overview. Um, The third thing that we're going to do is we're going to learn different lessons about what biblical faith looks like. In the everyday, in the day-to-day, what does it look like to live with biblical faith? To me, this, this sounds awesome. I mean, this sounds, this sounds like my, my dream series. we got maps, we got geography, we've got pictures. On the chat this morning, Laura's momita was like, what about archaeology? I'm like, sure, I'll drop some of that in there too. I can dig up some of that. And, and we got some selected Bible view, uh, archaeology joke, uh, selected Bible overview, and faith lessons for today in one series, throw it together, the Bible land. And biblical faith, woo! I'm looking forward to, uh, to this time. Sign me up, right? Uh, okay, so as we get ready for this study, though, there's one uh, theme kind of behind it all that I want you to be aware of. We're not probably going to talk about it that much, but it's there uh, as we talk through this whole series. And this underlying message underneath it all is basically this. Heaven is for Resting. Here, in this life, here is for trusting. Heaven is for resting. Here is for trusting. And 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 I look at that line. I'm like, did I oversimplify that to the point of stupid? Does it even make sense? I, I don't know. But basically, I get it. The fact that there is resting in this life. God does lead us by peaceful streams and quiet waters. He restores our souls. He does bring rest into our life. He 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 asks us to rest a day a week. He commands it. And it's one of the Ten Commandments. And 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 to rest resting. Okay, I get it. That is for here. But Big picture, big picture, this lifetime, this lifetime is about learning to trust God in all of it, in in all the seasons, in all the moments, every challenge and every blessing, every advantage, every every obstacle. This life is about learning how to live by faith. Live by faith in in the day-to-day. If you go into this life expecting that following Jesus means no pain, no no trials, no tribulations, you're going to be really thrown by the reality. That's not God's intention for our lives right now. His intention is to teach us how to live by faith and then to show the rest of humanity how wonderful it is to trust the God of the Bible, to, to trust Jesus with our lives big picture and in the day to day more on that as we go through this series. Today what I want to do is I want to have an overview, uh, an introduction I guess of the the land of the Bible at least in its larger context uh, in in the ancient Near East context of, of understanding the land of the Bible and and when I think of people in the Bible to help us, get a sense of the other nations around, uh, it makes sense to start with this guy named Abram, whose, whose name gets changed to Abraham. And the reason why I want to start with him is because he actually at least journeys through all of the major um, empires of his day before finally settling into the promised land. Uh, before we talk about Abram, though, I want to show you a map and kind of get you acquainted with the ancient Near East, at least for... for the, a brief way. Now, this is really important when it comes to helping us understand the context of our study and the promised land. The promised land is the red circled bit. That's the promised land. Now, I, I, I hope that what we're about to talk about will help us correct some incorrect, some incorrect assumptions that we, we tend to um, put onto our view of the promised land. In the ancient Near East, there are Cat nations and mice nations. There, there's cat nations and there's my, mice nations. The promised land is full of little mice nations Israel, Judah, Philistia, um, I guess the Tyre, Phoenicia, I guess that's called up there, and then Moab and Ammon and uh, Edom. Th- those, those countries, those are all mice countries, okay? The cat ones are the massive empire locations around the world. And and uh, I guess we, we tend to be encountering them through the, our journey through the Bible and the Old Testament from Egypt in order going further away. You, you mostly focus on Egypt near the beginning, an empire, a cap place, and then Aram during the era of the kings. Aram shows up more than you tend to realize. And then Assyria comes along around 722 BC and destroys the northern kingdom. And then Babylon comes around in about 605 BC to destroy um, to destroy so you can have this progression across, uh, across the, the nations. Now cat empires are very different than mice empires because cat empires have the main ingredients to being a strong and mighty location naturally. Naturally. And so what do what do nations need for to be cat empire nations? Well, the first thing that they need, and this is really essential, is they need lots and lots of consistent water. That is essential for for a nation to be able to grow and thrive. And I'll tell you right now, the promised land does not have lots and lots of consistent water. Secondly, it has to have the ability to grow an abundance of food. It has to have lots of food. Again, the promised land is not a place to grow an abundance of food. Uh, Thirdly, it has to have some strategic economic advantages. And fourthly, some strategic geographical advantages. Some sort of combination there of like safety and access to the rest of the world. So on this map here, you can see that all the cat nations are on the most important major highway of the Middle East. That red line that, goes, that kind of goes up around, it's, I don't know which way you're starting. If you're starting at Egypt, you go up Egypt to Aram, and then you go down through Assyria, and then down to, to Babylon. Um, that, that they're all on, they all have that access there. And they all have plenty of water and food. You you know that the the Nile River in Egypt, we're pretty familiar with that. This this consistent source of water and and food. Um, Aram has got several rivers. uh, And then then you go over to um, Assyria and you've got the the Tigris River and and some other rivers up there. And then Babylon is kind of down where the Tigris and Euphrates are. Both come together. Major, major rivers. Uh, in contrast, the, the the land of the the promised land basically has no rivers, like none, zero, zero li- rivers that flow r- year round. You, but you're like, but what about the Jordan River? It's worthless when it comes to the land of the Bible. It's way down in a rift. In the, in the Rift Valley, it is so, like river, water doesn't come uphill, guys. It just, it's there, but it's way down there, and it's, it's of zero help for basically the whole of, of the promised land. It's, it's just down, it's just down there. So it's, it's pretty unhelpful. Now, in this map here, I don't know if you can see it, but there's kind of a shaded area a shaded area kind of going through those empire nations. That's called the Fertile Crescent. And that means food in abundance. Prime food growing land. And you can just see it. It just swipes right through Aram and, and Assyria and out of Babylon. That means food. So there's plenty of that there. As far as safety goes... Egypt, for instance, Egypt has got this desert to the west. No, no invasion coming from there. It's got the Red Sea to the east. it's, it's got two sides that are pretty secure. Uh, sometimes they get some trouble from the south from the Kushites, but um, but but usually they're they're pretty safe. Um, Aram has got these these mountains up in the north. That are kind of shielding it and then it's got the Arabian desert kind of on, on kind of the south bit. Even more so Assyria has got the mountains behind it and the uh, Arabian desert. And the same with Babylon, the mountains behind it and the desert in front. And basically those mountains serve as a pretty great barrier until the nation of Persia, uh, the Medes and the Persians, they come out of those mountains and they take over the, the whole of the Fertile Crescent. But, but that's that's fun facts for another day. We're not going that far. Anyway, so uh, I want to, that's kind of the overview of the cat nations and what makes them s- so strong. Uh, the mice nations of, of, of Israel and Judah and, and that area, very, very, very different. And so I said this in the spring, but I want to say this again now because it's extremely important to understanding the land of the Bible. The promised land, circled in red there, the promised land is not The best land. The promised land is not the best land. In fact, it's not even close. It's not even close to the best land. All of those other lands are are way better than the promised land. The promised land, it's not a destination. The promised land is not this dream land, this ideal land. Geographically speaking, um, it's just a land between good land. (laughs) It's a land between... Uh, empires. It, it's a land between, just yeah, wonderful places where you can grow and thrive. It's kind of between all of that. Honestly, geographically speaking, the Promised Land isn't very desirable. Its only value is probably that it's got this potential to be crossroads between the east and the west, and the north and the south. It's it's like a big roundabout. It's like a it's like a big crossroad intersection. You know, there's there's nothing great there. It's just a crossroads. It's just a crossroads. Understanding the Bible land is to understand, number one, the promised land is a land between, not a land of your dreams. The promised land is is a land between, not the land of your dreams. I mean, one of the reasons why Israel is so rarely invaded by the cat nations—in fact, often uh, you hear about Egypt just kind of going along the coastal road up to, up to the north, the or whatever—is is because it's really not worth taking. It, it, it's not worth—it's not worth the effort. It's just not that great of a land. Okay, so let's talk about Abraham for a moment. Abram, Abraham—he is born in the Babylon era. In his day, uh, it, it's the land of the. The Chaldeans or whatever, in, in Ur, and that's in a cat area, a cat nation area, a long ways away. but his dad named Terah, sets out to relocate the family from that cat area in, in the Babylon area, to go to what we now call the Promised Land, the land of Canaan. But while he's on the way, he stops. Let me read it in Genesis chapter 11. It says this. It says, "Terah, who's Abram's father took his son Abram, who we call Abraham, his grandson Lot, Haran's son, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, who, uh, his son Abram's wife, we call her Sarah now. And it's because God changes their names, but we're not going to talk about that. At, and they set out together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, but when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and died in Haran. Okay, <clears throat> so let's see what this is on the map. Let's bring up the map here of Abra- Abraham's journey, Abram's journey. The Bible does not say that Abraham heard from God in, in Babylon, in, in that era, in, in Ur of the Chaldeans. And so the story starts with Terah, his dad. And he's journeying to the promised land. And he's just going up that main highway. That's the road that he's going to go along. Going up the main highway. But instead of going all the way to the promised land, he stops short in Haran. Why? Why does he stop short? Because Haran is an incredible location for a family to grow and and to thrive. It's got all the food you could want. It's got all the water that you could want. It's got empire goodness, all the cat nation goodness you could ever want in the land of Haran. Haran is vastly better than the promised land. It's not even close. Haran is by far the, the, the better of the lands. And although Terah was on his way to the promised land, he stops in the way better place. In the, in the land of Haran, where his family settles and thrives. The story continues, though, starting with Haran. And we, we look at um, chapter 12, verse 1. It says, then Yahweh the Lord said to Abram, go out from your land, he, uh, Haran here, go out from your land, Haran your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And we're talking about Jesus there. That's, that's going to be fulfilled with Jesus. So, Abram went as Yahweh had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. It's never too late to start. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated. And the people they had acquired in Haran. Stop right there. I want to just highlight this that you've probably never really identified before. Look at how the family was thriving in Haran. Look at how they were thriving in Haran. They they had all these possessions that they had accumulated. And the people they they had acquired in Haran. It was a place of of prosperity and growth and thriving and, and, and amazingness. Continuing on, um, when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the site of Shechem at the Oak of Morah. At the time, the Canaanites were in the land. Yahweh, the Lord, appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to Yahweh, who had appeared to him. Okay. Check this out. What did we just read? We, we read this, that God called Abram, Abraham, from a really amazing land, from a way better land, and brought him to Canaan, a much worse land, and said, I give you this land for you and your descendants. I've pulled you out of your home, this much better place, and I've brought you here. Wait, what? Wait, what? Does that fit your... Thinking about how God works with people who trust and follow him? Does that fit your theology? That God would ask people, ask you, ask me, ask somebody to leave a better place? And and to give you and your descendants a worse place? A worse place? Well, that's what happens with, with Abraham. Now, I know you know this, but God has a reason. He has... He has a plan in all of this, but, you know, through human eyes, humanly speaking, he's given this land that's less desirable, if you just look at it. And sometimes that's how we look at life, we just look at it through our eyes. But when it comes to what God wants to do through Abraham and his family, this land is perfect. This land is perfect. If you want comfort, if, this land is awful, but... But if you switch your perspective from what your comfort and what your eyes see and and thriving and all that kind of stuff to what God wants to accomplish in your life, uh, in this case, but if you want to live a life that requires you to prove to people that God can actually be trusted, not just with the big things, I trust God with my life, but with the everyday things, I trust God for my food. If you want to live a life that proves God does provide, that proves God is paying attention, that proves God is powerful, that proves God is still moving, that proves God is trustworthy with with the everyday bit of your life, if you want to live a life that proves God is real and that you can trust Him, then the promised land is the perfect land. It's a land to learn how to live with biblical faith, and how to let the nation know that our God can be trusted. But in order to see that, you need to shift your perspective of, of life and, and, and the land that, that, you're, that you're in. What it, what it is to be in the promised land, the land that God handpicked for you or for his people. Most people get confused. Most people think the promised land is a, kind of an analogy for heaven. Uh, it's a type of heaven. And they think, ah, the promised land. The promised land, that's, that's a land of peace. Peace. That's a land of plenty. That's the land like, like heaven on earth. That couldn't be further from the truth. Egypt was the land of plenty. Egypt was the land with lots of water and lots of food and, and lots of safety. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 10, we read that there's a big difference between the great land of Egypt and what they're going to get in the promised land. In Deuteronomy eleven ten, we read, The land you are entering to take over, the promised land, is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come. What's the land of Egypt like? Well, where you planted your seed and irrigated it by foot or by hand. As in a vegetable garden. It was so easy to plant and see f- food thriving in the land of Egypt. The land you're going is not like that. It's not like that at all. Point number two. The promised land is a land to learn faith. Not a life of ease. The promised land is a land To learn faith, not a life of ease. Kind of like I said at the beginning, uh, heaven is for resting, but here, this life, is about trusting. Here is for trusting. As we... As we read the Bible, if we keep thinking of the promised land as something like heaven, we're going to be way misunderstanding what God is trying to do and what he's trying to accomplish with his people and what he's trying to accomplish in our lives as we are reading this through. He's trying to teach us to live by faith. Not just faith that there is eternity someday with God, but faith in the today, faith in the everyday. Listen to what this guy John A. Beck writes in his description of what the promised land is like from the book, The Basic Bible Atlas. Yes, I read Bible atlases. There, there's words in them too, not just pictures. And, and I read this. I'm such a map geek, an atlas geek. It's, it's, it's actually really a great atlas. Um, anyways, this is what he writes. The Lord wanted his chosen people to trust him. And the promised land was a land that fostered faith. It was a difficult place to grow food and get water. A famine-prone land where residents were faced with a variety of ecological hardships. It was also a land that persistently faced military invasion, virtually guaranteeing that each generation would know the anxiety and disruption caused by war. There's lots of little fighty mice around there. At such moments, there was only one place to look, and that is up, beyond oneself to the one who could do so much more than we can ask or imagine. The land's an uncomfortable land. This promised land is, it, it's not easy, it's uncomfortable. Abraham understood that. Abraham understood that this was the promised land, but it wasn't the new Jerusalem that we're all waiting for when... when when we read in in, Reve- in the book of Revelation, in fact, in Hebrews chapter eleven verse verse eight, we read this it says by faith by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. by faith he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob who were Heirs with him of the same promise. Why did he make his home in the promised land? For he was looking forward to the city, think New Jerusalem here, with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He's in the promised land, but he realizes that this isn't where we're in. This is not the goal. The the, the end is not the promised land. The promised land is the promised land. And we're looking forward... To the new Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham saw the distinction between the promised land and eternity, and we got to make sure we we keep that in our mind in this study. Point number one that I said was the promised land is a land between, not a land of your dreams. Point number two that I said is the promised land is a land to learn faith and not a life of ease. Thirdly, I want to say is the promised land is a diverse land with very different regional challenges now this is really going to be the focus for our series we're going to be learning what different parts of the land look like we're going to be seeing pictures of them and 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 maps and things like that we're going to be looking at the advantages and the disadvantages of each area they all have advantages and they all have different advantages sorry different disadvantages and they're different in different regions each region has a different mixture, just like the people in your life. The people in your life all have different advantages and disadvantages. And you can look at the, the people over there and think, wow, I, they have some advantages that I wish I had, and they had some advantages that I wish... They've got their advantages, they've got their disadvantages, we all, we all do. And so we're going to study the land with that in mind. And we're not going to worry about other people... Or what, what's going on in their life, we're just going to focus on, you know, where we've been placed. And, and, and that's what I believe, that you have been placed in a place to, to learn how to trust God in your life. With how things are right now, for you, in your situation. But there's, there's diverse regions. Here's two different maps here, at the same time. Um, one map is about rainfall, and that makes a big difference, because there's no rivers. There's no rivers in in the areas that you would want them to be, and so the dry bit in the south, uh, not much rain, and then more rain the more north you go. Um, the other map shows dirt types and soil types, and that is super significant. It, it impacts the kinds of cities that are built and how strong they are. It impacts what's grown there and what, what you know, how to thrive in different areas. I, I I know too much about dirt. We're not talking about that. Very significant map, but you c- what I want you to see is the little drawings, the little pictures, and, and different... Um, Different regions and different areas grow different kinds of things, or some are more, uh, you know, sheep or vineyards or olives or figs or, you know, just there's different things in different areas. And that's rather significant. Um, You know, I'll I'll talk about this more in, in the days ahead, but if you live in a region that doesn't have enough water but does grow grapes, then you can supplement your water shortage with juice. From, from the grapes. And, and, and there's different challenges, but there's also different uh, advantages in, in each region. We'll talk more about that in, in a bit. Today I just want you to see that uh, each region is going to have its own challenges. And I just, I, just want, I just want us to stop comparing our situations to everybody else's. It will be good for you to just be like, God has me here. God has me in this life with these challenges, and maybe it's really unpleasant, or maybe it's okay, but he has me right here for for these challenges, and that's okay. My job is to learn faith. My job is to learn how to trust God with with my current challenges and and advantages, to, to trust God here, and not worry about other people, and maybe having it better, maybe having it worse. Just... This is my job here. We'll we'll talk more about that in a second. That's number three. Number four, the fourth thing I want to point out, and finally, is the promised land is a land with non-traditional strategic value. I told you, it's it's not like a cat nation. So it has a non-traditional strategic value. And you ask yourself, why did God give Abram this land? Well, we've kind of answered that question in one way when we've talked about how people need to learn how to trust God. And and what happens when you don't trust God. And then what happens when you start trusting God again after having not trusted Him for for a while. What what happens when you turn back to God? It's a land to learn faith. We we talked about that. But there's another reason. Look at this map. Map number five. This less uh, wonderful to live in area... The the land the land here the promised land, is a, it was a crossroads for the ancient world. I I, I talked about it like a, a giant roundabout, and <laughs> actually kind it kind of actually does function that way. Uh, uh, it's probably a fantastic way to to view it. But you can see on the coast on the coast you've got the uh, road coming up from Egypt. And, and that is the number one most significant roadway in the ancient Near East. It goes from Egypt all the way over to Babylon. That is road number one. And God's people are placed right on it. On the other side of the land, uh, there's the other road. And it's it's the same color. It's very significant. And that's bringing all the goods and produce to and from Arabia. Very significant. That's, that's going up. What you don't see on this land is that there are three uh crossing roads from the arabia road to the coast and those are going right through the land here uh so you you're coming up from arabia and you and you can cross over to the port cities on the coast and the goods go from arabia into the mediterranean world to you know um Greece and and Rome, the Mediterranean world that way. And then the goods are coming up from uh, Egypt and into the empire. And then from the empire's countries, the the cat countries down into Egypt. It is this major crossroads to the entirety of the world. And so the strategic, sorry, the non-strategic value, the the non-strategic but strategic, the non-traditional strategic value of this land is that these people were seen. These people were observed. These people were were on display to the nations of the world. North, south, east, west. They're all converging and crossing right through the, the gigantic roundabout that is the, the promised land. The, the world can see. What happens to a people when they trust God? The world can see and hear what happens when God blesses a people. The, the world can see and hear what happens when God's people reject Him and turn on Him. And, and turn away from Him. And, and how God disciplines them to bring them back into, uh, into, into obedience and loving Him and, and worshiping Him only. That The world can see what happens when a people live by faith and when, when they walk away from faith. And then you get to Pentecost... And Jesus is alive, risen from the dead, and the Holy Spirit descends uh, in Jerusalem at, at, at the temple there in Jerusalem. And the gospel then just goes from there into all the world quickly as if it is perfectly and intentionally located at the center of the world for the gospel to go everywhere rapidly. As if, according to Acts 26, that this whole Jesus thing wasn't done in a corner, it was done at the crossroads. God places people to be testimony, living examples of what trusting God actually looks like day to day. When the other nations are like, oh, I wouldn't want to live there because that's difficult. They don't have enough water. They don't have enough food. Oh, but God still provides for them. huh?" And and they start to learn what it is to to trust God, the joys of trusting God and the tragedy of, of rejecting Him. No, I I've talked around this and and through this a few times already, but maybe you look at your life and it just looks unpleasant. I, I don't know what squeezing you right now? What is? It, are there pressures that are squeezing you? Uh, are you are you trying to work and, and homeschool, or are you trying to get work because you had work but now you you are not having work? Are you trying to fill your time? Are you trying to come up with any spare moment? There there's such a wide variety of squeezings and challengings that so many of us are living through, and they're they're different for for so many of us. And maybe your life feels full and packed because you're trying to work and, and homeschool, and the, and somebody else is like I I don't have I'm on furlough I don't have anything to do, and you're exact opposites, and yet you're you're both feeling extremely uncomfortable because of the the, the unusualness and the pressures of your situations, and you might be looking at the other saying, "Oh, I wish I had more to do," and they're like, "I wish I I wish I could be on furlough, uh, and 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 all this kind of stuff." But, but we're not going to go there right now, friends. The, the, what we need to learn is where what are what's going on in our life. This is my life. This is my life. I'm not going to worry about what's going on with anybody else. And I am going to learn faith in my situation. Maybe they do have it easier than you. Does it matter? Does that matter? Maybe you're looking at their life like, God, why why, 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 why do they have it so much easier than me? I'm so frustrated. Why can't you do it? Okay, look. All in seasons, you have no idea what's going on actually in their life. A lot of the, the biggest pains and strains that people live through, you never see. They're, 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 they're hidden from you because they're hurtful and they're, they're, they're being hidden. But, but, but besides that, maybe they are in an easier time, but you don't know what their previous season was like and you don't know what their next season is like. You do you. <laughs> you do you. And, and maybe we'll learn about different regions uh, in our family here and different strains and challenges but, but we're not going to worry about other people. We're going to figure out how we are going to live, placed in our exact situations by a God who's paying attention and invites us to trust us, to trust him in this moment, in this moment, through these tough times. If you've given your life to Jesus, heaven's coming. Rest is coming. No more tears. No more sorrow. No more pain. Uh, and, and I understand, you can probably think of a better life out there uh, in the promised land, you could think anywhere else would be a do you ever wonder why most people don't return from Babylon why they don't return from Assyria? most people don't. why would we go back to there it's so much better here? God has brought you here for a reason for a reason anyways during this season i I, I want you to uh to to get ready because we're gonna Learn a lot about the land of the Bible. It's going to be exciting. There's going to be pictures. And according to Mita, there better be some archaeology. Uh, So so we're going to have some of that. But even more so, uh, I want you to get ready to learn how to live by faith in your everyday. In your everyday strains and your everyday challenges. I get it. It's pretty challenging for, for, for many of us. Very straining. But that's Okay. This is the time where we're going to learn that our God can be trusted with our our strains for today. Let me pray for you. Oh, no, let me give you a challenge and then pray for you. The challenge is this. Uh, I want you, just like the promised land, I want you to identify three good things that you have in your life. And this is an important exercise. Each region has some advantages and disadvantages. Sometimes we get transfixed with the awful and we can't think about what's awesome. So identify the three good things that you have in your life and then the three things that require extra faith. Extra faith required here, right? Those things. And and commit yourself to trusting God in those extra faith required areas. God is showing you his goodness. It it, it may just be in ways you're not really observing or paying attention right now. Uh, Anyways, that's the challenge for this week. Let me pray for you. God, Holy Spirit, um, open our eyes. So that we can see the wonderful lessons in front of us. Open our eyes so that we can, we can cooperate with, with what you want to do with our lives. That you want to teach us faith and then teach others faith through us. And through our experience. God, I ask you to give us courage and capacity. And, and eyes transfixed on the provider, you. Uh, eyes transfixed on, on your, your, your goodness and your mercy and your love help us. Be our provider. Be our rescuer. Lead us clearly. Lead us clearly. Uh, We trust you. Help us to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.